Hey, look out! It's the Waste and Safety Compliance Podcast, the hope for the hyper-regulated, where we unravel the regulatory mysteries of the legions of acronym-odious agencies who want to keep you perpetually licking their tall leather boots. Our goal is to help business owners and managers like you to overcome the EPA, DOT, and OSHA compliance obstacles through knowledge and understanding, breaking the circle of fear by putting the rules into plain English. The Waste and Safety Compliance Podcast is brought to you by Echelon Environmental. I am your host, Ron Harvey. All right, welcome. And I'm glad you could join us for another edition of the Waste and Safety Compliance Podcast. Today, we have the delightful privilege of talking about the HAZCOM standard, the Hazard Communication Standard under OSHA. And I'm going to talk about it from the manager's perspective because that's who really runs the whole thing. So here we go. There are two roles played in the HAZCOM standard. One is for manufacturers. Their job is to classify the uh, products that they're manufacturing and distributing and to um, properly label and describe and put together the MSDSs for those products. The other role is played by the employer whose only real um, uh, purpose whose only real role is to inform the employees of the hazards of the chemicals produced by the manufacturers. The applicability of the HAZCOM rule to your uh, facility is based on a number of criteria. First, the products that you're um, uh, qualifying under the HAZCOM program have to be in the workplace. The second is that the products have to contain hazardous chemicals. Pretty simple, really. HAZCOM is all about hazardous chemicals. Uh, the third is that the employees can be exposed to the, uh, the hazardous chemicals under normal working conditions or under emergency conditions. So if all three of these conditions apply, to your workplace, then you are subject to the HAZCOM standard. There are exceptions, um, obviously, to every rule written under uh, the government sun. There are exceptions. Um, for, uh, for HAZCOM, one of the biggest is the sealed container exemption. And it's pretty simple. If um, there are no open containers in the workplace, then there are fewer requirements that you're, uh, that you're subject to that you have to perform. The first is that when the uh, sealed containers come in, you must leave the manufacturer's labels intact. You can't cover them, deface them, change them uh, in any way whatsoever. The second is that you are required to keep copies of the SDSs on site and readily accessible for your employees to uh, uh, to look through. The third requirement of the sealed container exemption is that you have to train the employees in um, what to do in case of an emergency primarily. Um, and if you 
meet all three of those requirements, then um, there is no written plan required, which is a good thing. Now, um, most of the time, the sealed container exemption applies to warehouses, uh, distributors, uh, retail establishments also. So that um, if you uh, qualify under any uh, under the sealed container exemption, that you're not required to have a written HASCOM program, and you do have, but you still have to do a few minor little things in order to uh, provide information for the employees as they go about their jobs. Um, the second uh, exemption is the laboratory exemption. A laboratory means a lab-scale use of the chemicals. We're not talking about manufacturing or producing any kind of products. These are just small-scale um, uh, chemical use. In, um, for the lab, in order to qualify for the lab exemption, you have to meet pretty much the same requirements as for the sealed container. You have to leave the container labels intact as provided by the manufacturer. You have to keep copies of the SDSs readily available. Oh, SDS, by the way, are safety data sheets, just in case you didn't know. Um, the third is that you have to provide employee training as to um, how to read an SDS, wh um, where they're located, and um, what to do in case of a chemical emergency. Fourth is that for anything that you ship out of your laboratory that is hazardous, you have to label um, the uh, containers properly and provide SDSs to the people that are going to be receiving uh, those containers. Um, when you do all that, no written plan required. Good deal, but you know, laboratory exemption is, is a pretty limited uh, application. Now, one of the biggest requirements under OSHA for um, HASCOM is the production of a written plan. Um, it's relatively simple. There's lots of ways to get that done, but it is pretty much the foundation of the HASCOM program. It must be established and it must cover several uh, uh, certain cr uh, criteria. First, it ha there has to be a list of the hazardous chemicals that are in the workplace. And this is just a list. You can do it alphabetically. You can do it numerically. You can jumble it all up if you want. But there has to be a list of chemicals uh, that, that the employees use which contain hazardous chemicals. Um, the second part of the written plan describes how the label information will be maintained. Um, there's different uh, ways for that to happen. And we're not going to go into the details here. But the written plan has to describe um, the maintenance of the labels as they come in and how, if you take that chemical and put it into other containers, how, that, the, how the secondary containers are going to be labeled. Um, the written plan requires the collection of all SDSs. Of course, that's pretty, uh, pretty fundamental to the has hazard communication uh, program. And um, the written plan also describes the employee training. Uh, how you're going to transmit to them the information that they need to know to keep themselves safe from the hazardous chemicals that you're using in the workplace. Um, the written plan must be available 
to all of the employees. You need to let them know where it is and who is in charge of it and when it is available. So once you get the written plan down, you're, you're most of the way there, believe it or not. Uh, container labels. When, um, let's see, the labels that are on hazardous product, uh, uh, hazardous product containers is the primary method of information that um, communicates the hazards to the employee. Um, and it's just like any bottle you pick up off a shelf. The first thing you can do is you can look at the label and say, oh, this stuff is flammable or toxic or whatever. But um, the container labels are very important in the hazard communication world. Um, the labels are going to show you several different pieces of information and those are required uh, one way or the other provided by the manufacturer or um, put on the labels uh, as secondary containers. The container labels have to have a product identifier which is primarily the name of the product. Uh, pretty simple. The container labels have to have a signal word. There's really only two signal words used danger or warning. They're supposed to kind of get your attention and so that you can say well this stuff is hazardous. Good, good start. The container labels have a hazard statement um, or statements depending upon the, uh, the type of material. Now those are quite a variety of different statements um, and those are specified by the way by OSHA. Um, they describe the physical um, hazards of the material, the uh, health hazards, and the environmental hazards of that product. The, the container labels um, are also going to display pictograms. Now these are the little uh, standardized um, uh, symbols that you will see on all of the new compliant uh, products that will have uh, indications of whether or not they're flammable, whether they're um, inhalation hazards, or whether they're environmentally hazardous. There's a lot of different pictograms um, that you will see on the labels, and that's what they do. They are meant as a symbol indicating in kind of a universal language the hazard of the material. The container labels also have precautionary statements, and there's way too many of them to choose from, but that's the way they set it up, okay? They are uh, general statements about precautions to take, like avoid contact. I like that one. That's pretty simple. Um, then there are other ones that are preventive in nature, these statements, and then there are other uh, precautionary statements telling you how to store the material or how not to store it, um, and those are going to be on there too. There's lots of lots of information that goes on the container labels these days. Um, the, uh, finally, the container label is going to contain the name and contact information for the manufacturer in case you have any questions or some kind of an emergency. Um, that information is going to be on the label so that you can just pick up that label, call the manufacturer and ask, hey, now what? So workplace labeling, that's really what I meant when I said um, secondary containers. One of the actually most difficult parts of 
the uh, of maintaining compliance with the HESCOM standard is the um, the secondary labels that are applied to containers when you buy a gallon of uh, some hazardous chemical and now you take that hazardous chemical and you put it into a smaller container and give that to the employees to use that secondary container has to have information on it so that that hazards are the 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 uh, the nature of that material is communicated to the employer, uh, pardon me, to the employee. So um, obviously, if the uh, so obviously if the employee is given the original uh, product container, that information is all going to be on there. Pretty simple um, for the from the workplace uh, perspective. Now, when you take a, when you transfer that material into another container to use it, then the other information needs to be con uh, uh, conveyed to the employee. And there's, there's lots of different ways it can be done, but OSHA really basically says that it can be done with words, pictures, or symbols, or some other uh, in, way to convey that information to the employee. The workplace labeling must be in English, but if you have uh, employees that speak other languages as their primary language, you might do well to put that, um, that same information in their language, um, regardless of whether it's uh, Latin or Sanskrit or what other. Now we get to the, the, big, the big one here. Fortunately, we're going to skip it completely because to go over the content of the safety data sheets uh, is beyond the scope of our little discussion here. So the bottom line is that they must be immediately available to the employees that are using the hazardous products. And that even applies to um, uh, employees that take the products off-site to use them at somebody else's facility. So there are, you, need to make, you need to make sure that your employees have access to that information, no matter what. That's, you, that's just the way you're going to have to do it. The, uh, one of the last sections of the um, written HASCOM program is employee information and training. Now, this is another important one for OSHA because they're all about training. But information is really what you're trying to give the uh, the employees. Um, you The employer must provide hazardous chemical information and training to the employees. Upon initial assignment and when new chemicals are introduced into the workplace is when you have to tell them what they're handling. You can't just hand them a bottle of whatever nasty chemical and have them start using the material and then uh, uh, a few months later you tell them, oh by the way, this stuff is uh, going to eat your eyeballs out. Uh, you have to give them that information before they start using the chemical. Which really, if you get right down to it, is a pretty good idea. So um, the information has to include the requirements for the training. Now this is when you do your initial training for your employees, you have to tell them that there is a training requirement under the OSHA regulations. 
identification of work areas where the hazardous chemicals are being used. You need to tell your employees um, that there are certain parts of the facility or certain operations where your uh, hazardous materials are located, where they're being used, and where they can potentially be exposed to them. You need to tell your employees the location of the written HASCOM plan and the SDSs so that they can find that information if they need it. And um, by the way, if you have a large facility and you have different operations that are scattered, OSHA really kind of says that you need to have those MSDSs right where the employees are working. There's lots of different ways that people try to uh, maintain their SDSs, but they need to be immediately available. That's, that's the key um, in terms of OSHA compliance. The training that you have to provide to your, uh, uh, to your employees has to include ways to detect chemical releases, whether there's a foul odor or whether there's some big green cloud or whether it's your eyes begin to water. You, you, if there's a way for um, the employees to tell if they're being exposed, you need to let them know what that is. You need to tell your employees the specific hazards of the chemicals. If they're just using a specific chemical all the time, pretty simple. But if they're using a variety of chemicals, you need to let them know what the hazards are for each of those chemicals so that when they use them, they know what to look for, uh, they know how to protect themselves. Um, and of course, protective measures. Um, in, when you're employees are using hazardous chemicals, you must provide them with the information on how to keep themselves safe from those chemicals, whether it's wearing glasses or wearing respirators or wearing gloves. However, um, they need to know how to protect themselves from the hazards of the chemicals. You, um, you need to explain to them the warnings that are on the labels because even though they're written in this universal language of symbols and text you still need to explain to them um, how these labels are conveying to them the information about the hazards of the chemicals you need to inform the employees an explanation of of the content of the safety data sheets. That is perhaps one of the most rigorous requirements in terms of training because the safety data sheets are a very complex uh, document and explaining that information to them is not necessarily an easy thing. Uh, still though, not much you can do. OSHA requires that you train the employees on how to read an MSDS. Now, the, safe, the uh, HASCOM standard was uh, developed and then there were uh, mile markers laid out, time frames for the completion of the implementation of the new SDSs as part of what they call the globally harmonized uh, system for um, conveying hazardous chemical information to the employees. 
The first one was back in uh, December of 2013 when the employees needed to be trained on the new labeling and, um, and information from the SDSs. That was the uh, first training uh, milestone. Hopefully, hopefully you made that one. Um, there were several in between for the manufacturers in terms of producing new labels for their products and coming up with the new SDSs. But for the employer, uh, June uh, of 2016 is the last milestone where the written plan uh, is supposed to be updated and employees are supposed to be informed about how all of the final movement of the global harmonized system um, is going to take place. So hopefully you've got everything in line to be able to meet that deadline as well. So now all of this in mind, there are several things if OSHA comes into your workplace, there are four different things that they're going to look for right away. Easy targets for the regulators. Okay, the first one is the absence of a written plan. If you do not have a written hazard communication plan, they're going to find that out pretty quickly and they're not going to be real happy about it. The next is the lack of labels on secondary containers. Very easy for OSHA inspectors to go out into your workplace and see people with squirt bottles or other containers um, that are pretty much unlabeled. Maybe they just have the name of the product scribbled on there. And that is a HASCOM failure. And the OSHA uh, folks can pick, on, pick up on that one pretty easily. The uh, third one is the lack of safety data sheets. Now, some of the products you've been using for years back in the good old days had material safety data sheets, and you may still have those on hand. Hopefully, you will call that manufacturer or the distributor and get the new SDSs because the old MSDSs are now obsolete. They don't convey the same information. And if OSHA finds that you have just MSDSs on hand, you're going to maybe find yourself in a little bit of hot water because they're supposed to be SDSs now. And of course, um, the lack of training. If you have not documented the training that is required for your employees, that is a pretty major failure because they're going to consider that um, pretty much uh, a willful uh, violation at this point. Um, everybody that has employees that are dealing with chemicals should have heard by now that the HASCOM program needs to involve training of the employees. So make sure that you don't do that. So don't be a sitting duck. It's easy to fulfill the requirements and they're not that difficult. They can be done quickly and um, it's, it's up to you. You're going to have to make the arrangements to uh, comply with the HASCOM standard. It's the law. It's been there for a long time now. And if you haven't done it, well, I mean, it's, it's 
time to time to get these ducks in a row, as they say. So, thank you for um, participating in our little discussion here this morning. I hope that uh, it was informative and that you can take that information to the bank so that OSHA doesn't get it first. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Echelon Environmental was started to help the hyper-regulated business owners and managers bear the burdens of the EPA, DOT, and OSHA mandates. Here's two of those sets of mandates. These are just the DOT regulations. They're big books. Just because you have a business doesn't mean you need to become an expert in the complex and ever-changing fields of waste management, worker safety, or hazmat shipping. Echelon Environmental can set you free to pursue the important topics that make your business profitable. From online training in the regulations, to live regulatory mentoring, to full-scale on-site done-for-you compliance services, our programs aim to provide the precise level of assistance you require. Call the number on the screen, send an email to the address below. We're here to help. As always, glad to be of service. Thank you.